He said you'd come. Lawrence, hope you're not too late. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Welcome to episode number 49 of the Wulong Talks podcast. My name is Jason. I'm the host of the show, as you know. Uh, and as usual, I'm joined by the wrestling kid, Rich Kid, who's in the house with us today. Rich Kid, say what's up. What's up? What's up? How you doing, people? And we've got a very special guest with us today as well. We have uh, Nigel from Mayamada. You may know Nigel. You may remember him from our previous podcast. Well, you should do by now if you've been listening to us for a while. Um, and Nigel's here because, one, we wanted to have somebody to chat to about our, our topic today, which is mainly about cons and, and conventions in the UK um, and conventions in general. But also because uh, Nigel has some very important news to share with everybody, which you're going to hear first uh, and exclusively here on Willow Talks. So um, Nigel will get into that a little bit later on. But first of all, Nigel, welcome to the show again. Cool. Hey, how's it going? Don't worry if you don't remember me. I'm going to tell you all about it in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely cover that ground. So don't worry, listeners. We'll, we'll, we'll get to all the detail. Um, but first of all, Rich Kid, how you doing, man? What you been up to? You been up to anything fun? Yeah, not too bad. Um, I was actually going to say that we shouldn't even say special guest for Nigel anymore because like, you've been on quite a few times. Mm. That is true. We've known true. you for some time now. I, mean, I don't mind special guests. Yeah, 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 I know, but that puts you in over precedence against uh, against us. As like, <laughs> and like everyone knows, I'm narcissistic. Yeah. But um, I was just thinking, like, if this was like a flat, let's say, like, Wulong Talks was like a flat, me and Jason would be like Joey and Chandler, and you and Lau, who's the other partner, who's never yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> he does exist, though. Yeah, you'd be like Monica and um, Rachel, who just live across the way. I yeah. mean, that's how... That's how you know, long we've known you guys. Yeah. How many times you've been on? No, I'm just trying to so, think who would be Monica and who would be Rachel. But <laughs> that is. Uh, well, I reckon you should just both put on dresses. Dress it and yeah. just sort yeah. it out. <laughs> and, I, and I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as to what I've been up to, um, obviously we did the whole Comic Con on a weekend, which was quite epic. Um, but we'll jump into that, you know, all together at some point. And um. I haven't seen any films. I haven't had a chance to see Solo as of yet, which I'm quite upset about, but uh, just life just gets in the way. But I have had two things, or done two things, which I, I'm quite proud of myself. I managed to finish two demos <laughs> for PlayStation 4. One of them was the remastered edition of Zone of Enders, Second Runner, which I was a, a great fan of the original uh, when it came on PlayStation 2. Um, and then I also played the demo for, was it Detroit? Beyond Human? Mm. And both oh. those games are like I'm not gonna swear because I've got told off last time for swearing too much. Both of those games are freaking awesome. And um, so anybody who has a PlayStation Four, I definitely say download those games and and, and give it a go. Um, and hopefully you shouldn't be disappointed. So yeah, that's what I've been up to recently. Okay, cool, man. Um, yeah, I haven't tried uh, Detroit yet. I, you know, the last podcast I was saying I downloaded it. Yeah, I still haven't played it yet, which should come as no surprise to listeners because. I've got all these things downloaded, Nigel, and I never played them. They just sit there on my PS4 hard drive, 
and like I don't touch them. I've still got Destiny. We still haven't played Destiny. Wow. No, no, no. You still haven't played Destiny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, this is where I'm gonna swear. I'm fucking that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I still haven't played it yet because it's um, as I said, it's just sitting there on the hard drive, and I haven't even touched it. It's, it I feel stupid. Like, <laughs> you just like the thrill of downloading. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just get yeah, to that hundred yeah. percent, and that's it. Basically, that it's just the, the, the thrill of watching that bar. Bar, yeah, down, like, <laughs> But yeah, as Rich said, uh, we were at the con, and that pretty much dominated our um, our week because we we kind of neither of us really did that much in terms of like kind of geeky stuff in terms of watching TV and, 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 and movies and things. I think we were kind of just preparing ourselves yeah. <laughs> mentally and putting ourselves in the headspace for the con. Um, as said, uh, Nigel here is, as you know, he's uh, the co-founder of a brand called Mayamada. Um, and we first met Nigel at uh, one of the MCM Comic Cons. So for those of you from London, you'll, you'll know about MCM Comic Con. MCM stands for Movies, uh, Comics and Manga. Um, so those are the three kind of features that, that the con kind of focuses on. Um, so if you're a fan of any of those kind of three things, then that's pretty much what you sort of get from there. Um, and this weekend, yeah, was no exception. Uh, although it has slightly changed a little bit now that MCM has new owners, um, it felt like there was uh, some renewed emphasis on, on certain aspects of, of the con, and we'll, we'll get into all of that. But first of all, Rich, um, how did you enjoy this con? I mean, you, you are a veteran of, of conventions, even more so than me. Um, you know, how did you find this particular con compared to the past years that we've got? Uh, no, well, I think first things first. Uh, you, well, you've just told me what MCM stands for. I've never known. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. I just call it Comic Con. I've just Man Crush Monday convention, <laughs> and there was no men there. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, it was it was really good with the with these new owners. They seem to have you know seem to be putting a lot of money in there, um, and just make well the the the, found, well, the new owners are American. And you know, you know that whole stereotype of like Americans just do everything bigger, and bigger means better, uh, and that seems to be the mo for for MCM now as well. It just seems bigger and longer, a bit more expensive, but not in a bad way in which I wouldn't go again. I think it's something that's actually been lacking, um, and like you said, and where I've been, I'm coming a veteran. I think I I went to the first MCM convention, so to see it get to this point is actually quite weird. But um, I would have to say that even though I've been going to conventions for ages, more especially this one, even I was slightly overwhelmed by the, by the size of everything that was happening. Like it was the whole of, of, of Excel this year. And I mean, you guys, I'm, I'm not sure if you had a chance to, to have a look outside at some point, Nigel, because I know obviously you're in your store, but me and Jason we were walking in today um, into um, MCM and the amount of people that were on the grass and then maybe went inside and actually got inside and saw the amount of people inside. It was just madness. It was like a it was like a concert. I was like waiting wait, wait for Michael Jackson to come back to life or something. <laughs> just people just be going crazy. But um, <clears throat> but um, I, I really enjoyed myself. And um, to be honest, I can only see things getting better from this point onwards if they continue going going this route. I think we're going to be having our equivalent of the San Diego Comic Con if they keep on doing this. I, I think anyway, with uh, down to. You know, guest appearances. They had people like Rosario Dawson here, Letitia Wright. Some of these people were pulled in last minute, so that just shows you the amount of power that they have in getting some of these people to to come down to MCM, which you know, let's say, over five years ago, wasn't even like half of Excel Center. 
So um, so yeah, I've really enjoyed myself this week, and then I'm still suffering from post-con blues. So so yeah. <laughs> yeah, post-con blues is that hard thing to shake, boy. It's a very very tricky thing to to deal with, man. Um, but yeah, as Richard said, it's been you know a really kind of what stood out is is the size of, of of the crowds that we saw on Saturday, particularly on the Saturday, it was like heaving at certain points. Um, Nigel, I mean, as somebody who's been exhibiting at different cons and, and different places, um, what was sort of your impression of, of the weekend? Because you were there from the Friday. Um, oh, from Thursday. From the Thursday? From Thursday. Oh, wow. Okay. Setting up. And of, yeah, yeah. It's been a long weekend. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I had mixed feelings about it because I, I guess I come from a, a different angle of exhibitor. So... Obviously, like I said, sort of setting up and dealing with the the new owners and the procedures that are involved with that, and then seeing the result of that with the new owners and uh, the sort of bigger and better uh, MO, as you say. So I I enjoyed it. I always enjoy sort of like setting up and and talking to people who have you know read our work, um, meeting new fans, people that have like, met people who have come wearing our t-shirts or sweatshirts or hats and like want to see what the next thing is what the next book is the next story um so i always enjoy that i think there were some uh, myself and other exhibitors felt some of the i guess the 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 transition from previous owners to these owners in terms of you know just this like sort of background stuff of forms you had to fill in um or the procedures you had to sort of now be aware of with the new owners um in terms of the show itself again like the size i'm yeah, I was kind of like always impressed with how much space uh, like MCM was managed to take up um, and then what was going on. So I, unfortunately, I don't get to see much of it. So I didn't even see the grass outside. So I'm just going to take your word for it. That <laughs> it, was all, uh, it was all packed. But certainly from the people I saw, what I did notice is it seemed this year more than most to be bringing in new people. So I think maybe the new owners combined with what, you know, Marvel uh, films are doing in bringing in people who are becoming aware of the world of comics or at least comic book movies and want to know more. So I, I know I certainly had a few conversations with people who had that, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, that like starry-eyed look <laughs> in their face <laughs> as they're trying to take in all these people, all these all these lights there um, and everything that's going on. So uh, I remember having a conversation with one guy. I, I think he came with his son or something and he's just like looking around completely lost. Like, oh, I was just trying to take it in. <laughs> um, so yeah, just gave him, gave him a few minutes before I said anything. So yeah, I think it's that's a good thing, just bringing in new people into the into the industry as it were mm. for sure i mean it, it does seem like you know and rich you you can probably speak on this um as well but you know you and i have said have, have been going to these quite a while now and the one thing we've always kind of talked about between the two of us is how much is grown and how much you know the 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 whole kind of culture behind conventions has changed um, and in particular MCM MCM has, has become you know bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger with, with every year that we go um, you know when we first you and I first went together um, it was in two kind of halls inside the convention center and for those of you that know um, XL in London it, XL is a very very big con uh, convention center um, 
so two halls is really not much um, and I always remember when we first went that year because there was um, a couple of other conventions on that day as well there was a um, car convention and there was a wedding show and a baby show mm. and I remember because I always remember this clearly there was someone cosplaying as um, predators as Yautja Mm-hmm. And they walk past like this um, this mother and daughter who'd just come out of the wedding show and the mum just looked like, what the hell is this? <laughs> where have I just walked into? Because I've just come here to buy my baby girl a wedding dress. Like, you know, so it was, it was crazy. Like, it was really crazy that, that you have that kind of mixture. But as I said, as it's become bigger and bigger, they've, they've pretty much taken over the whole convention centre now. Um, so yeah, I mean, Rich, in, in in terms of like how you see it, you know, how have you seen the, the growth of the convention as a whole? Um, and you know, do you think that's a good thing? I guess for the future. Um, like I said, I mean, it's just like I mean, like you just mentioned again as well. It's, it's the size of it. It's, that's that's the thing that you notice the most is the size. Um, I mean, is it is set up in such a way now that I generally do think that you have to buy more than one ticket to to take everything in like usually we just go i think we've done it maybe once or twice where we've done like a whole weekend that's not included a friday but i can see now that it's actually set up in a way that the people that run ncm are trying to give you the best experience over a whole weekend and also in the same way you know get the best of the money or whatever they're charging you so for example tickets have gone up but then they've also increased like the timings of when it closes so I think, um, has, the ch- has the timing changed for when it opens, Nigel? You, you yeah, well, the timing's changed from when it's closed. I think, closes, yeah. um, I mean, I remember when the Friday used to be just like a press day or a preview day, not even yeah. open to the general public. Yeah. Now it's just a full day. Yeah. So and it's like seven? 10 to 7. 10 to 7. So, yeah. And then before, then before that was till 6, right? Yeah. Okay, so it's 10 to 7 on like a... On a Friday and a Saturday, and then well, it's, it's nine to nine to seven on a Saturday, so that's now longer. So yeah, that's even longer, longer. Yeah. Okay, I'm not even up at nine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, so yeah. So now I think they're trying to make it like a an actual. It's not just a one day thing. They're trying to make it like a whole experience. So I mean, you know, you can go in and you can view interviews, you can participate in exhibitions, you know, buy merchandise, cosplay competitions. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, this, I mean, those are the main things that, that I really, really noticed. And like I said, I noticed it and I've been going for, for ages and it kind of threw me off for a loop, just for a little bit. Hmm. I'm not going to lie. I mean, there was at one point where I was trying to find you, Nigel, and I found you just because, just because we bumped into mutual friends. Otherwise, you won't have seen me until Sunday. <laughs> or you might not have seen me until today. At all, yeah. Still looking. So yeah, so, so that, that's, the, that's the main, main thing that, that I really took from from this so yeah yeah i mean it, it's it is really um quite impressive how the whole thing is, is just completely changed in terms of um its size and its dynamic in in just a few short years um but again as as you know was previously mentioned that kind of feeds into um you know what you were saying nigel about the the rise in interest in marvel and dc and and things like that and and the way that that has kind of grown over the uh, over the years um and how you know these characters are starting to become household names for some people it, it means that um conventions as a whole are becoming more a mainstream thing and not the kind of you know sweaty <laughs> 
kind of hole in 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 some room in in the back of some church hall somewhere. It was a bit sweaty on Saturday. It was sweaty. It was sweaty. But listeners, it was hot in London that week. (laughs) For a rare weekend in London, it was hot. But um, yeah, it was kind of sweaty still. (laughs) But um, yeah, you know, it's really changed. It's really become much more polished and professional in terms of the way you know things things are done really so um that is something that that's really interesting um rich i wanted to ask you this as well because I, ne- I never really did get to, to ask you this after we left but what was your kind of favorite part of the con as a, as a whole um was there anything that you like really kind of enjoyed more than, than anything else i mean I know, I know it feels like we we just did like holds a whole leap of running around the, the mm. center but um, was there anything that you kind of enjoyed more this year than, than say, with, with previous years? Um, no, I don't think there's, there was any one thing that stood out. Because, like I said, everything is still the same. Just I, I'm not going to sound like a broken record, but everything is still the same, just made a bit bigger. Um, I think the highlight for the weekend might... might yeah. I'm giggling now, but um, meeting Samurai because I'm I'm fan I'm a fan of hers on on Instagram. So um, yeah, I'm gonna put it out there. We're trying to get her on the show as well. So anybody <laughs> who is, or Samurai to be listening, be prepared. Um, but yeah, but we, she had like a little talk, and I just found it fascinating that because we've been to talks before. Like we've seen, you know, we've had the privilege of seeing like a legend like Stan Lee, you know, sitting in a Q and A with him and stuff like that. Um, but seeing someone who we follow on Instagram and then become a household name and then get called in to be a speaker and a performer for MCM. That was really interesting to see. Because, you know, I mean, Jay, if you think about it, when we started, first started going to Comic Con, doing like a podcast, I didn't, I didn't even know podcasts even existed back then, you know? <laughs> and so now, you know, we're doing this and we're going to, you know, Comic Cons and people are, some people are noticing us, you know, and same thing for you, Nigel, I'm sure that mm. you never thought one day when you're going to Comic-Con or MCM that you would be you know, on the other side to doing it. Yeah. So, so that, that was interesting. So seeing someone from that perspective who's quite new and, and coming through like the Instagram way, whereas like we've had to do it like a, a different way. Um, so that was, that was a highlight for the weekend for me. And um, just seeing the amount of people there, like I said, you, could, you can tell when people are new. And, that, and just, there was almost a bit of jealousy for some of those people uh, who had never been before because they're experiencing it like this. I, I put, we had a friend that came with us and this was the first Comic Con that he came, to, he came to. And I said that him coming to this Comic Con is the equivalent to watching Star Wars episodes one to six instead of episodes four to six and then, you know, whatever. So he sees it in the, in the correct order. And um, so that's the best way I can describe this weekend. But I can't pinpoint any one thing, but I, it was just, it was good all over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, say for me, I don't think I can really think of like one specific thing that stood out more than than anything else. It was just it was the overall experience, I think, really, that I I, I totally enjoyed. Um, One thing I did like, though, is is the improvement in um, the sign postage. Um, I think that was a really, really good move. Um, Everything is now kind of clearly labeled in terms of where you need to be and what area is what. Um, which just made things so much easier. It, me- it meant that we basically didn't need a map, whereas in previous years you'd need to have that map in order to find certain things because it's just so difficult to track things down, you know? Still couldn't find Nigel, though. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not labelled clearly enough on that map. <laughs> yeah, we need to get a big old like mark for yeah. on the map. So yeah, if you're listening, Repop, that, that's something you need to do. But um, yeah, no, it was uh, in general. I, I, I did find it a lot easier to kind of get around um, the, the venue itself. Um, one of the things, though, that we did talk about that, that maybe um, could be improved, and, and this is something um, that Nigel had brought up when we spoken to him at, at the end of the con, um, was that maybe we felt there could be a bit more um, kind of logic in terms of the, the grouping of um, the different exhibitors and the different things that were there. Um, I mean, Nigel, you were saying that um, at, at another convention that, that you regularly are at, um, you know, artists are kind of put in a certain section all together and then, you know, um, creators are put in a certain section, food is put in a certain section and, and so on and so forth. Um, whereas with MCM, it felt a little bit like it was kind of wherever there was a space, that's where that person was going to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, tell us a bit about your experience at um, Hyper Japan, where you're, you're quite regular. Um, how, yeah. how does that feel different to MCM? Well, I think for it, it starts at the application stage, really, where you're saying about grouping. So with Hyper Japan, once you apply for a table, they ask you what area you want to be in. So from that point, they're already you know, looking to uh, group people into sort of related areas, um, which is something that MCM doesn't do. MCM are more the, um, I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, have you seen those videos of uh, Black Friday when they open up the gates slowly <laughs> and then the people stampede. Yeah, yeah. So that's like MCM book table bookings. Um, and, and that's the difference. So it's yeah, kind of, yeah. you you have to go and rush to get a space, mm. wherever that space is, just find a space, book it, uh, and you're good. So there's no question of, would you like to be with other uh, creators or would you like to be with the merchandise area? The only exception is the Comic Village uh, that I've seen where that's a completely separate process in itself and that's an area within comic-con that is all independent comic creators artists writers um things like that so i think if that kind of thinking would come to the rest of the event then it's good for exhibitors because you're with related people but it's also good for sort of attendees because they come and they know oh this is the area where i'm going to get my pop toys or this is the area where i'm going to see uh, original artwork or this is the area where i'm going to see um, lots of clothing or whatever it is or gaming uh, so I think that's definitely one thing they can improve on for future events um, I'm trying to think because you mentioned something earlier on about uh, which you mentioned that so see, seeing people in sort of my matter clothing and that yeah. uh, experience and that's always for me the, my personal highlight um, of, the, of the show and it's and something that uh, in a way is happening more and more at different conventions so we get people who think in fact, the first person on the, on the Friday I saw was a guy we met in October. Uh, he picked up a uh, sweatshirt uh, and he came wearing a sweatshirt. Mm. So for me, that's really cool because of all the things you could have worn, chosen to wear on that day, he chose to wear one of our sweatshirts. Mm. Uh, he uh, he came you know, straight to the stall. Uh, I remembered him because we had a sort of good conversation with him last time. And then we just got talking to, it, uh, to him again he was telling me about you know his plans for the weekend and that kind of making that connection with people who are supporting your your brand your you know your uh, business in a uh, 
uh, in a very real <laughs> uh, sense. So I think that's always, always a highlight, that just seeing the people that come to con wearing our stuff or or who have read our books and are looking for the next story. Mm. Um, even after the convention, I had a guy post on Twitter, um, sort of a, uh, a photo shoot, not a photo shoot, but a photo he set up with him reading The Samurai Chef uh, while our website was on uh, on the screen. Mm. And then he tweeted at us. So yeah, that kind of thing's a personal highlight. Um, I think um, outside of that, the just that they haven't seemed to forgot about Comic Village because I was kind of worried with the takeover whether there'd be a shift from you know making independent comic creators a part of the event to focusing on big names on yeah. um, uh, Rosario Dawson Dawson don't know why I've got an accent there but um, <laughs> just yeah focus on bringing on big names at the expense of the independent people but I did notice that the Comic Village had a stage and they were doing panels and um, and talks on that so at least that's a positive sign that they haven't forgotten about this element uh, of the show so yeah I think those two things were things that I found sort of promising from from the weekend cool yeah I mean uh, I was gonna like swing this one over to you actually Rich um, but one of the, the things I I guess thinking about it now with, that I did really really enjoy was um, the expanded kind of comic village mm. um over the years it's kind of felt a little bit like the emphasis has kind of gone off of comics slightly um and, and has shifted more towards uh, movies and tv which is understandable in a way they're, they're bigger markets and you know they, they um, just have a higher number of fans worldwide than the comic books do so <coughs> it's easier for them to, to do that but what i liked about comic village is is the fact that a comic village was bigger and b there was a heavy emphasis on independent artists and giving people who were, you know, just beginning or just stepping out in, into the industry their, their opportunity to kind of speak and um, to have their voice be heard and to have their art, you know, be, be shown to the world. And that I really, really enjoyed. I mean, we made loads of, of connections over that weekend. And um, I think that was partly because just physically the, the, the space is bigger. Um, for those listening who don't know, by the way, Comic Village is a specific section in um, the MCM Comic Con, where, which is geared towards comics, as, as the name says. So um, it's where you would kind of go to find um, specific artists and, and specific writers and things like that. But as I said, this year there was a heavy sort of emphasis on, on the independent scene as well. Um, so yeah, Rich, what did you think of like the, the revamped kind of Comic Village um, and the way that they've laid it out now? Oh yeah, it made it much easier just to just to navigate around. To be fair, and um, and it was just more spacious. In, in saying that, it, it just made it easier for for you just to get stuff done. Um, I mean, we, we made quite a few. I mean, we, let's put it this way. I mean, listeners, you know, you guys listen, or people listening out there, we spoke to enough people that not just to make friends with, but they're going to be coming on the show hopefully in the next few months I mean it was, it was that type of thing where we were able to interact with people like that um, and not even just the whole thing about okay we do this and you know take a business card we were having like full-blown conversations of like other creatives out there and some of them were just you know just independent just trying to you know kickstart a kickstart career and some of them had even done work for Marvel and DC and were just saying well as much as I love working for them I just want to do me and so, it's, and so that it was nice seeing those different types of people doing their thing and 
you know, picking up merchandise from there. And we picked up a couple of um, well, we picked up a couple of uh, like limited edition bookmarks from from one guy. Um, but just having conversations and just seeing what drives them and their, you know, their motivation and, and where they get their ideas from. Oh, no, we can say Nigel. Oh, so I was just going to jump in. I wasn't sure if I should just <laughs> break in, just but... Okay, I'm done. <laughs> wait, wait. You put it up like it was school. Yeah, I know. I wasn't sure. I was trying to be, like, polite and let you finish your point. But now I've ruined the moment. I may as well um, uh, say what... No, I was just going to say that whole thing about having the um, independent artists and artists that work for Marvel or DC, mm. that, again, was part of the process. So this was sort of the new process of... Um, so the Comic Village used to be... Uh, I think you just apply you put in your sort of details how many tables you want uh, whereas this time it was a full like form they ask you know what work you've done who you've worked for yeah. if you've been published uh, and I think there was a bit there was a bit of hesitancy on that where people were thinking oh are they just now looking for people who have just worked for yeah. Marvel or DC but uh, I think what's happened is that that's them trying to get a mix yeah. of people so from people just starting out like I saw some people who I think it was just their first time uh, at Comic-Con and then like you say you meet people who have done work for Marvel yeah. for DC uh, so I think that's a sort of positive thing trying to get that blend mm. just as, as long as it's not coming at the expense of, sort of you know the, the people who are just starting out because that's MCM is like a massive opportunity for that yeah. Yeah. no no I, de I definitely agree with you I mean like uh, I mean we, we ended up talking to one guy who was doing like an independent comic book with like um, was it Samurai Slasher yeah yeah Samurai Slasher which is you know not going to go to too much about it because we made friends with him we're going to try and get him on the show to try and promote that as well and he's a really cool guy and he's actually a friend of someone else who's been on the show before Jet I don't know if you guys remember uh, having Jet we've had Jet on a couple of times but in a couple of tables down from him he, we've got like Jeff Darrow and if anybody doesn't know who Jeff Darrow is Jeff Darrow was um, he's well pretty much a number one a famous artist done a lot of work for Image um, he's currently doing a comic book called um, Shaolin Cowboy and, it, and that's just an awesome comic book. But uh, I mean, for people who are closer to my age, he was basically the conceptual artist for The Matrix. So he wasn't the storyboard artist, that was another artist called Steve Scrosey. This is the geek in me kicking out. <laughs> so yeah, so Steve Scrosey did, was, the, um, was the storyboard artist, the conceptual artist, so that was anything to do with the actual world that The Matrix was created in. And that includes everything from the, the squids to the machinery that it used to actually plug themselves into The Matrix. Jeff Darrow um, basically did all of that and I actually walked past him a good few times and then I saw the post and I was like holy smoke that's that's Jeff Darrow and then went up and started speaking to him and it was weird because it's almost like nobody had been speaking to him because once he started talking he started talking more than I did <laughs> and I was just like damn so I ended up taking a picture of him but that was a nice thing we like you said like you've got the comic it, it's a comic village so you've got, you've got one person who's done one thing then you put another person who as not only designed for the matrix but it's in the matrix because he ended up telling us that story as well and so i like that whole mixture of that no one's too special that's how it felt like for me anyway. mm. so yeah yeah i was gonna add a point of like um i don't know this is like slightly venting but the uh i guess the downside of what we're saying about bringing new people into into the mix into uh comic-con uh, is that i had a lot of and I don't know how like this is going to go you know going forward but a lot of people who actually had no interest in comics yeah. um, and I think we spoke about it over yeah, the weekend yeah. it was just interesting the number of conversations I had that just ended in actually no I'm not into 
uh, comics. I'm kind of, I guess, just here for the merchandise and everything like that. Uh, so I think it's just a thing about the importance of the comic village and allowing people to have those kind of conversations yeah, yeah. that bring. So once people have seen, I don't know if they've seen Infinity War and now like, oh, I'm going to go to Comic Con and check out this new world that there is space for them to hopefully then go, oh, I met this comic creator, this independent comic creator, and now I'm going to read his comic or her comic. Uh, and then the next time I come, you know, I might, you know, bring my friends and just introduce them and just find out more. So I hope that that path continues because it felt like the first stage is almost, we're at the first stage of bringing new people into it. Yeah. So like for future events, I would like to see more uh, people actually now start reading new comics and new work from independent artists. Mm. Yeah, it's like we've hit like our ten-year end of like Marvel phase. So, yeah. So the next one's <laughs> gonna be like phase four, or whatever it's called. But, that's, but essentially, that's what it felt like. And, you know, like I did see that that big shift of people that are just who are completely new to it now. Um, it's, you know, I'll tell you one thing that I would have liked to have seen. We didn't see like a Marvel. They didn't have a Marvel thing this year, did they? Did they? Is it like the last one we went to? They had um, Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther. Oh, yeah. I see. Right, right, right. Yeah, I would have liked to see that. But you know what they should do? See, this is me just, my mind just running wild now. Um, they should have like a Stark Expo. Yeah. <laughs> no, that'd be freaking awesome. See, I'm trying not to swear now, so I'm using the word freaking. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that, that, I think that'd be pretty much awesome. Like, have just a Stark Expo, and like, then you just go in there and you see Iron Man, and you see like Human Torch, and you see other things just from the Marvel Universe. But um, read if you're. Is it what it called? Read pop. Read pop. Yeah. yeah. What name's that? Yeah, read pop. Yeah, if you're listening. <laughs> okay. Yeah, take on that idea, man. Hey, don't don't diss all our wannabe future employees. Because <laughs> <laughs> they might be checking. This. Yeah. <laughs> so yo. <laughs> the name's fine. The <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the name. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. No. But um, it it was. I mean, it's. It's as as you said, Nigel. I guess it's kind of um, a way trying to find a way to, to bridge the gap a little bit with um, some people who you know might be attending these events for just kind of one sort of specific movie or TV show that, that they like and, and encouraging them to try something new and something different. Which um, I guess is a battle. That, I mean, that's an everyday battle in life anyway. You try to get people to do new things and different mm. things. It's, it's always hard to do that. So. Yeah, I mean that's that's not something that um, either of us should be surprised at, I guess. But you know, maybe, yeah, you know, I, I really do think there's there's room for growth um, with this. Um, so, Nigel, I mean, how many conventions per year would you say that that Mayamado attends at the moment? Oh wow! Um, so we do the two MCM London ones, two Hyper Japan's. So I'm working this out on the fly now. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can, so bear with me. Um, we go to MCM Manchester as well. Uh, Thought Bubble, so that's six so far. Um, and then I've been to, even this year, I've been to three new ones that I haven't been to before. So let's, I mean, let's put it like between 10 and 15, just ballpark. Okay, yeah. yeah. So anything between sort of 10 and 15 per year. Okay, that, that's interesting. That's interesting. And have you found that um, the reception towards Mayamado and, and the understanding of it is is different um, at different conventions, or do there seem to be more similarities? Uh, no, it's definitely different. I think when we started, I had this uh, perception that just all Comic Cons were the same, uh, and that quickly got dashed like <laughs> after the first few. So 
what I found is somewhere like Comic Con, just because of the scale, so it being the largest convention in the UK, it's it's not as intimate in the sense that, although I did have <clears throat> I did have conversations, it was there weren't many say long conversations because people were browsing, they were maybe looking for something in particular, or like I was saying before, people just starstruck and just <laughs> taking it all in. So Comic Con feels like less intimate, but then you're able to sort of sell more. So in a way you're reaching, you're still reaching a lot of people. Whereas some of the smaller ones, you sort of get the time because there's less people. Um, it, it attracts the, say the, the people who know what this is all about. So now you can have a deeper conversation with people. Uh, and what's been great is this year, uh, I've been lucky enough to have opportunities to do talks at the smaller conventions about you know our manga um, and storytelling, just tips for putting together you know, good stories for manga or comics or whatever it may be. So what happens after that is then people then f- come and find me after the talk and then, you know, are then interested in the work. So it's a lot more intimate at the smaller conventions where you can have these conversations with people. Uh, and then something like, uh, I always see Hyper Japan, which is uh, one we've been going to for years now. It's like a, a, a separate one because it's a focus on Japanese culture. So the, the people it attracts is again different from Comic Con or from a smaller comic convention where you've got people with a keen interest in Japanese culture. But what I found, say in comparison to Comic Con, is Comic Con attracts a lot of experts. So people who know comics and they know what they like. Uh, and that could be a good or bad thing for us, you know, in doing original work where. Mm-hmm. If it's not something they recognise, yeah. there's a harder time to get them, get someone to you know take a chance, take a risk with something new. Whereas what I found with Hybrid Japan is that it attracts uh, an audience that is aware of, is into Japanese culture and everything involved, but not so much of an expert as they're that they're wedded to one particular mm. property, so they're more willing to give something new yeah. a chance. So at Hybrid Japan, we get more of the reaction of, oh, what's this? Tell me about this. Yeah. Whereas Comic-Con is like, what's this? It's kind of, yeah, the, the tone is different. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and there's pros and cons to all of that. And I think what I learned from this weekend in particular is just being aware, just trying to be more aware of those differences and trying to adapt in terms of how you approach people, what kind of products you show, um, in, yeah, and then just how that affects uh, how well you do at a convention. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's interesting. Like, because if I've never thought of it like that, but that's how I think me and you, RJ, hmm. like where we like we go to MCM hmm. and like I mean I think maybe I'm speaking maybe might be I might be slightly biased, but I think we're pretty much open to it um, to try another to try new things. I mean I've already said before I try anything at least seven times before I decided I don't want to do it anymore. But um, we have like going to like Hyper Japan. Like, you know, you can go, let's say if you go to like, the manga section, I, I mean, I've been there before and I've said like, you know, oh, what's this? And they, they can just start off with like, yeah, it's about robots. I'd be like, okay, that's it. How much it costs? Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, does it smash up a city? Yeah. yeah. It does it, is it a kid piloting a robot? Yeah, fuck it, I'll buy it. <laughs> so yeah, but I do, I do see what you're saying about how that, that is the, the stubbornness of MCM, um, where you've got like a, a certain type of buyer who's not willing to try something new. It's like, mm. they just want Iron Man or, you know, yeah. I don't want to read Thor anymore because Thor may be a woman. And yeah. Like that. But it's, yeah, it's only now that when I think back to it, because, like I said, I might be, be, might be biased, but we're not essentially that type of way. We're willing to try everything. 
but I've never heard it from somebody who's on the receiving end, such as yourself, mm. as to how much it can be a bit of a, a struggle, but also be a good thing when you're in a particular place. So, yeah. so thank you for that for that um, update. Yeah, or that enlightenment. Enlightenment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it, it was definitely um, interesting to kind of to kind of hear that, and I can completely imagine and picture in my mind exactly the type of person <laughs> from MCM, um, as Richard said, somebody who's you know very much into um, whatever their their fandom is, and, and that's it, you know. Um, but I think over time, you know, things will will, will probably open out a little bit. Um, one of the things that I do love about going to conventions is cosplay. So, um, simple question to, to move on. What was your favourite cosplay that you saw over the weekend? Um, Rich, you can go first, man. My favourite cosplay? Um, come back to me on that. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I think mine was... Mm, do you know what mine was actually? It was Batman Ninja. Uh, I, I don't know if oh, you saw shoot. that one. Oh, I, I like that because the, I haven't seen dude, it all the source material um, yet. Yeah, oh, it, it was really good. There, there was a young guy. He'd um, he put so much detail into yeah. the, into the actual armor, into the the samurai armor itself. Um, he even made his own um, kind of helmet for it. The, wow. the, the Batman Ninja helmet, stuff like that. Um, the colours were correct. It was it was wicked. It was really good. Like the, the did I take a picture with him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was sure. one of the first people we we saw. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, that that was a, a really good one, man. Really enjoyed that. Um, Nigel, did you have a? Were you able to see any cosplays? Yeah, I know. I was just <laughs> thinking, like, what what did I what did I see? I mean, uh, we had um, a friend of ours helping with photography, so. Uh, part of his his role was to go around and take pictures of cosplayers so i'm hoping he got batman ninja <laughs> and yeah, yeah. once yeah. i go back i'm gonna go and check check through these photos um i think for me i didn't get to see as much cosplay but from what i did see what i did like is um the amount of black panther uh cosplay from like younger people or you know guys and girls but i guess particularly sort of younger kids and for me when black panther came out one of the things that I liked about it the you know the film um aside is just it being something that's bringing different people into into comics and making people of color feel like okay this is this is for us also mm. um not that it wasn't before but you know you, you just sometimes you just need to make it clear <laughs> yeah, make it clear for people with with yeah, characters yeah, that yeah. you know mm. that that look like you um so I was pleased to see that after the film then following on into Comic-Con, you kind of see more diverse cosplay uh, and particularly younger people who now you know, can find characters that look for them. I saw um, at least one um, Shuri uh, character, which I quite, cosplay yeah. which I quite liked. Um, mm. And yeah, just seeing that take place. So it wasn't one particular, uh, although actually, <clears throat> I lie, there was a Nambaku who <laughs> uh, yeah, I loved, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if it's the same one, yeah. yeah. In fact, forget what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> forget all that. Uh, yeah, Obaku was yeah fantastic. That was a fantastic cosplay, uh, yeah. and I loved that character uh, in the film. Cool, cool. Yeah, I, I remember seeing Obaku. I, I don't know if um, you remember it. I think it was on the Saturday, a little bit later on the Saturday, mm. as we were. Um, 
as we were coming out, there was a group of them. It was actually the Mbaku, and then he had the Jabari tribe following oh. with him. Oh. So there was like four or five of them. Who, whoever you guys were, salute to you, man. Like, mm. Yeah, salute. That was that was wicked. <laughs> yeah, um, so if you did attend MCM, listeners, um, let us know what you thought about it. Uh, you'll be able to find out how to get in touch with us uh, at the end of this podcast, so just make sure you listen through right to the end um, and give us your thoughts. Sorry, go on, yeah, my, my favorite question, man. Oh, I remember now. Oh, okay. You know what? Um, my favorite costume overall, uh, there was a couple. There was a really good Darth Maul that I took a picture with, and, and he was Darth Maul like, like the facial expressions, like the stance, like everything. He pretty much nailed it. Um, I actually posted a picture of him up on our Instagram, so he's another person, you know. Uh, Whoever you are, salute you. Hopefully, tag yourself in, in, in that picture. Um, and there was a Genji, which is a ninja, I think, from. Is he from Overwatch? Mm. That I took a bit. Is he? Yeah, I think he is. There's just some samurai, yeah. nin- cybernetic ninja type of person. But I ended up taking a picture with it. Listen, let's put it this way. He looked pretty awesome. I ended up taking a picture with him, which is really cool. But the most interesting um, cosplay that I saw was actually a Black Panther. But it was a Black Panther done by a. Uh, I was going to say colonizer, but no. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, but it was a it was a um, a, 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 white, a young white lady who cosplayed as Black Panther. I think I saw her. Did you see her? Yeah, because I don't see that every day. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you look twice. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and I, I I just found that pretty much. I found it. I found it. It made me happy. Hmm. And I found it amazing. Number one, like, like, but her definitely, I definitely salute you because I mean, that that takes that it takes balls, but it takes balls being a man and putting on a dress and going to dress as Harley Quinn. So let, let, you know, I mean, we can all agree on that, yeah. Yeah. But it's cosplay and you don't get judged. But there's a certain amount of let's say. So I'm not even trying to find the right, right words, but like, especially with the, the cultural impact that Black Panther yeah. had when it came out. There's like, there's more to it. Yeah, there's, there's a bit more, more to it. But then at the same time, it is a character in a comic book. So why shouldn't anybody be allowed to, you know, cosplay as, as whatever? And I was going to say, yeah, but you know, if, you, if you're light-skinned, then you can't play, you know, Killmonger. But it's, it's, that's completely irrelevant. It's stupid. You're, you're black. But for her to cosplay as Black Panther, I, I, I just found it really, really good. To, you know, to see that everybody and anybody, number one, loves his character and, mm. and has enough love to get dressed as his character and not to feel no way and feel like they have to explain themselves. I asked her to take a picture and she was more than glad to take a picture. I actually saw her the other, um, I think on the Sunday, um, and she was giving me a bit of a look. I think she thought I was cute. It's either that or she wanted to take a picture with me with the helmet off, um, <laughs> which, I actually should have, which I actually should have done. I should have taken a picture with her in the costume and with the helmet off just to show you know just just to show face just yeah to show that you know it's comic books it's fantasy it's sci-fi and um as much as we may have a, a love for it it's for everybody so um whoever you are um white lady uh, <laughs> thank you very much and congratulations <laughs> yeah i mean that that was quite um that was very interesting to, to see because um it's it's um it's not the the validation that's the wrong word because we're not really seeking validation but it's um it's just the 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 equality it it shows that you know that this character this this black character is being treated with the same reverence as 
any other white character because as, as Rich said she could have chosen to cosplay as anyone um, but she chose uh, to cosplay as T'Challa as Black Panther and um, she did it very well so yeah kudos to her man kudos for sure now um, let's move on uh, so we've got Nigel here as said the, the founder or co-founder of the Mayamada brand um, and Nigel we just wanted to kind of get a, a sense from you of uh, how things are going with Mayamada um, we know you, you have um, something very exciting in, in, in the pipeline with your Kickstarter um, campaign um, but we wanted to get a, a sense of you know how you kind of came up with the idea that you've come up with that you're going to let the listeners know about and and you know how you managed to put together the, the Kickstarter campaign as well because there's quite a few people who listen to us who are creators as well and you know they're all interested in trying to do different things for um, their brands and their ideas so how did you guys kind of go about setting setting the wheels in motion I guess is a phrase I'm looking for okay oh so like coming up with the idea for the Kickstarter mm, I mean mm. okay uh, yeah I mean well the first idea is we needed the money um, <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was step one um, Baby yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no but I I say that but so our our first uh, volume Samurai Chef came from an Indiegogo for the first one the and then the Kickstarter for the complete edition uh, and that was like three years ago now and following on from that we sort of self-funded through the business uh the subsequent uh titles but one of the things i sort of had to learn and the mistake i realized i made is that kickstarter is is not just about the money so i mean that's the immediate need you we you know pay our artists and we have a bunch of pages so that need is there but it's about the community um around it uh, and that's one of the things that uh, I thought of when coming up with the next Kickstarter is actually even from seeing uh, people's reactions at Comic-Con. So I'll tell you a story. Uh, last year at Thought Bubble, uh, a guy came to uh, my stall and he had a, a special edition of Samurai Chef we did with a new cover for Kickstarter backers just for them. So he came and he had this with him. Mm. This is so this was 2017 so and we did that kickstarter 2014 so he came to the table yeah. he's like oh I, I carry this around with me in case i see you and to have you sign it which yeah. obviously i was more than happy to do yeah, yeah, yeah. so that kind of thing was like oh actually this is <laughs> this is the kind of thing because like people like him are are who we need they're the ones that are taking a, a risk and supporting new ideas new work uh, and kickstarter allows you to reach those people not just in this country but all over the world so sort of soon after that, I kind of thought, actually, we need to be doing Kickstarter or fostering that community for all our releases. So because this is how we're going to grow, this is how we're going to find new fans. So that was uh, in my mind when launching or coming up with the idea to return to Kickstarter for our next uh, next volume, Hot Lunch. So I think that was a big motivation for me. Mm. Yeah, I can understand that for sure. I mean, um, I, I, I think it's great that you guys are kind of focusing on, on you know, growing the, the the fan base and trying to get the fans interacting with you as well because there's a lot of things out there, um, a lot of different, you know, kind of artists and, and writers who sometimes take that for granted a little bit and don't realise, like, how important it is to kind of keep your, your, your fans um, interested and, and to keep them on side. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely something that, that needs to kind of happen going forward. Um, 
So, you know, tell us a little bit about um, how you had, the, I guess, the idea for the, the hot lunch um, volume that, mm. that you're trying to get kick-started. Um, you know, where, where did that sort of come from? Was, was that something you and Lau just kind of decided um, or was it always sort of in the long-term vision? Uh, no, it's just an, an idea that came. So I guess for full context, our, our universe, uh, the Mayamada universe is a television network. So within that, we have different shows. I'm using air quotes here, you can't see that, but we have different shows <laughs> within the universe. Uh, so each of our comics are shows and you guys have seen like each one will start with someone watching the show yeah. and then going into the show and telling the story of that of that show. So the reason we did that, uh, me and Lau, was because we both, like ideas have never been a problem, uh, but early on we needed a way to allow ourselves to come up with different ideas but still make sense in the context of a brand yeah. uh, and that was the best way we thought to do it so hot lunch is a, another show on the my matter network and it's about a uh, a team or crew of uh, thieves with noble intent who are on this mission to bring down a shadowy organization who control the restaurant trade in japan for their own sort of personal profit and power motivations um, but it's a it's a high story, so um, the actual influence came from um, a, a novel uh, or yeah, a series of novels I was reading, um, started by Brandon Sanderson. Um, so I highly recommend that, starting with the Final Empire, uh, and in that story you have this this world that is controlled by this um, dark lord. I can't remember if that's the exact uh, phrasing, but this just all powerful being that controls everything uh, and this this uh, crew of thieves are uh, somehow put on this mission to sort of end that rule and I like the idea of this small group of people changing the status quo so just because something is as it is now and has been for a while doesn't mean that's the way it always has to be uh, so I like the idea and the uh, the writer actually in, in his notes has said he was influenced by Ocean's Eleven um, as well so in the story the crew are I mean it's it's a fantasy setting so there's no like suits and uh, yeah. slick uh, mm. slick suits or anything like that mm. but the way the crew operate the charisma um, the leader is charismatic um, and that whole thing I quite like that so I was like okay from there I kind of came up with an idea uh, all my ideas seem to revolve around food for some reason so there's natural fit <laughs> I was just <laughs> like swap the casinos mm. in Ocean's Eleven for food uh, and restaurants and then yeah that's sort of where the idea came from um but i mean we had the idea a long time ago so it's it's developed um i say developed yeah, i've thrown ideas out i've brought new ideas in new characters in um i've learned you know become better at telling stories putting stories together so it's been through a few changes in terms of uh, that side and now just felt like the right time uh, for it to be the next volume that we uh, that we release Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, Rich, sorry, you want to go jump in? Sorry, that. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah, sorry, that's a, a question I've actually got for you, um, Nigel. Um, no, because I've noticed that the running theme of food. Yeah. That, you know, what, what is this? I don't know. <laughs> I, you, know what, <laughs> you know what it was? You know what it was? So, it was, I can't remember which convention, but it was a convention, and I was talking to someone, I was giving them sort of, the sales pitch, if if you would, yeah. um, and then she pointed out like, oh, all these are about food, uh, and I hadn't been consciously aware of it at yeah, the time, yeah, yeah. so I was just like, oh yeah, you're right. 
I, I don't know how to happen. So mm. the two that I've written, Samurai Chef and Hot Lunch, yeah. have a food theme. Yeah. Uh, Serious, which Lau's written, doesn't. So mm. at least it's not a universal yeah, uh, thing, yeah, but yeah. I can't explain it. Is there's unless I was just hungry. I, I write when I'm hungry. Maybe yeah. okay. is is the best explanation. So now knowing that, I'm going to make sure the next one has nothing to do with food well, at all. Won't happen. No, probably yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> so done, I can yeah. dream. No. Yeah. Um, can, yeah. Just just as a reminder, so like before you, we end the show, can you just remind to um, give the name of that book because I'm actually interested in reading it. Yes. Well, in case any of the uh, any of the listeners out there um, right. are interested in that. Because I, re- I did read a book similar to that that was kind of set in like a, in a fantasy setting and it was um, set in a Grisha universe by a, a, an author called Leigh Bardugo. Okay. And it was called um, of Blood and Bone. I think that's the name of the book. I can't remember it. Yeah, but it, it was just, it was just it's a duology and it's just an amazing book. But um, I, I like all that Ocean's Eleven stuff, especially when it's set in like a fantasy setting. It's mm. a nice little spin on something that, you know, has been done or can be done so well. So, um, but yeah, so if you can remember the name of it, then um, just for the cool. listeners outside and for myself as well. I'm going to put my research team on that and we'll have that <laughs> by the end of the, end of the episode. Are you going to have the, like, the split screens and stuff of everyone doing different things? Yeah. <laughs> cool music in the background, yeah. a little bit of jazz. <laughs> yeah, why not, man? Why not? Yeah, so um, there you go, listeners. I mean, you've got a little bit of insight there into what My Marda are doing as, as a brand and, and where they're kind of going from here. Um, Nigel, did you just want to as, as well give people um, an idea of what kind of um, things they can get with their support for your Kickstarter campaign? Because um, people love stuff, so let them yeah. <laughs> people do love stuff. Um, so yeah, we're going to be launching on Wednesday, thirtieth of uh, May, um, which I guess will be in the past by the time this comes out. Probably. So yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, and what we've done our our whole uh, pitches about this new story from the My Matter universe, but also a wider topic about using manga as a way to engage young people in reading. Because we know, sort of, you know, we're at Comic Con, so young people love comics, love manga, um, but not all manga is necessarily suitable for young audiences. So our whole thing is about making it suitable for all ages, and this being the next one uh, in that lineup. So with that in mind, our, our Kickstarter is kind of geared to that so we have things like the book obviously uh, artwork we've got the uh, limited edition of the book with different covers um, and then we have things like you can donate a book so there'll be a reward level where you can you'll get a book and then we'll send a book to a young person or a school library or youth hub of your choice um, as a way to you know just on that whole thing of getting young people into into reading um, uh, and then we've got opportunities to become a character uh, in the story. So we've got certain bits of story where we can turn people into characters and take part in that. Uh, and then up to all things like uh, custom chopsticks, where you'll get like hot lunch tops, chopsticks in a sort of nice wood box um, engraved. Um, and then we've also got like engraved uh, or laser engraved prints of your character um on like this fine wood thing so we've got a range of of rewards that you can check out when the kickstarter goes live cool yeah there's quite a bit there man so there's a lot for you to kind of choose from sorry did you want to yeah i was gonna say uh, when's the kickstarter go live again so that is wednesday 30th of may oh what tomorrow that is tomorrow what a coincidence yeah we said this already we have but we can say it as many times as needed oh so what wednesday the 30th of may of may 
Yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Can you believe it? Did you say tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> I think he did say tomorrow. <laughs> well, listeners, um, as. As Nigel said, the you know the the Kickstarter campaign will be getting live um, very very soon. Uh, what we will do is, as we usually do, we'll have something up on our website, which will let you know where exactly you can find out more about the Kickstarter campaign and where um, all of the the information is and how you can support Mayamada um, and get your hands on this hot, this volume of of, of hot lunch. Um, we've been able to see some of the, the early images. Nigel has teased us with a, a few of them, and it looks pretty darn good. And one of the things that I, I will say as well, and, and just to reiterate what, what Nigel said, um, what's great about this book, and generally what the, the guys at Mayamada are doing, is that you know it's, a, it's suitable for everyone. It's a universal thing. This is not something that is geared specifically towards adults, as a lot of you know, manga can be. Um, this is something that's great for kids. Um, it's really simply written um, in a sense that the language is nice and clear and it's easy to follow um, what is going on. The artwork is, is really dynamic um, and again really sort of engaging. Um, and I know that for a fact there's a few of you out there who listen to us who are parents. So you should be looking at this book because um, it really is going to be the, the thing that will make bedtime readings a lot more fun and engaging for you so make sure you go and, and check those details out i said we'll have that up on the website very very soon um richie did you want to add anything no no you pretty much said anything but um but yeah literally come on like you know nigel's a friend of ours and if we wouldn't promote him or you know have him on the show unless we believed in what he was doing and what he was doing seems to be pretty much great so um spend a little bit of money <laughs> yeah. I like the sound of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stop being tight, people. But um, yeah, no, that's that's great, man. So, um, Nigel, I, I mean, I guess we're going to wrap this one up and, and, and hit the nail on the head. But before you go, could you let people know um, where they can find Mayamada and, and where they can find out a bit more about what you guys are doing? Yeah, sure. So, our website is always the best place. So, mayamada.com, which is M A Y A M A D A.com. Um, we're going to have on the, the day the Kickstarter launches a link from the website direct to the Kickstarter campaign um, and then our social media is also listed on our website so we're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter um, where else? Where else? Steven Art as well for those interested in sort of checking out more of our artwork we're putting up previews of uh, past comics up there and um, yeah just head to our website and you'll be able to find out like where's the best, best place to stalk us Awesome, nice one. And as I said, listeners, I mean, we'll, we'll be sharing a lot of this information ourselves as well. So make sure you go and um, check that out on our blog. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for us this evening. Um, before we go, uh, we just want to once again let you guys know that we are now um, part of the Emotionally 14 network. Um, so you can find us on their website at www.emotionally14.com. Um, there's loads of great podcasts over there as well. I, I started listening to um, Tumbling Sabres recently, um, and it's really funny. Uh, fantastic Star Wars podcast, a lot of fun. Um, so I recommend going and checking that out. I'm working through the others as well, so um, I've got the nerd room to catch up with too. Uh, I'm going to be listening to that, and I'll be sharing that on my Twitter as well. So if you follow us on, on the Wulong Tools Twitter, um, look out for that, and we'll have that information there for you. 
Okay, um, yeah, I said, we're going to wrap this one up and say goodnight to you all. Um, thanks for listening. Um, Rishi, say goodnight, man. Good night. And it's a goodbye from Nigel. So, Nigel, say goodbye. Hey, goodbye. Oh, uh, also, just to add, my research team came back to me and says the reception where I am is terrible. So, what I'm going to do <laughs> is find <laughs> find out those um, the book sources, and now we can add it to uh, add it to the show notes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We can put that in the um, podcast notes when the, the podcast comes out. So that's not a problem. All right. Well, we're out of here, folks. Uh, take care. Enjoy yourselves, and we will catch up again soon. Peace. If you like what you just heard, why don't you follow us online? You can find us on Twitter at WulongTalks.com, on Facebook at WulongTalks, and on Instagram at WulongTalks. We also have our blog, which we update kind of regularly, and you can find us there at www.WulongTalks.com. If you have any ideas for topics or would like us to feature your geek-based products or business on our show, you can always get in touch with us via email at wulongtalkspodcast at gmail.com.